1: He needs to score to keep this going. LaFerrier to his left coming in
0: on Levi. LeFerrier to the doorstep. Turned aside. And the Huskies have won the 70th beep. Devin Levi Tournament MVP. Talk a little sabres with. Marty Baran. Usually we talk to Don Granado Tuesdays at 8, but they're on the West Coast, so we've uh, moved the Sabers head coach a little bit later in the week. We bring in the uh, the media mogul himself, Martin Biron, joining us on the Western Hotline. After a uh, a late one last night. Uh, first we had the Devin Levi game and then uh, right after that, you had the Sabers and Kings. Good morning, Marty. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. I wanted to talk to you about Levi to start, if that's okay. You know, maybe some Sabres fans got their first look at him uh, an ESPN game last night, the Bean Pot. He's um he's interesting. He's obviously really good. Maybe the best goaltender in college hockey, or the best goaltender in college hockey. He won that award last year. Went back wanting to play with that pressure. MVP of the Bean Pot tournament. To me, the the most interesting thing about him is the is the style he plays, Marty. You you know the league blew up into six foot six goaltenders and he's six foot oh, which is um you know small by the new goalie standards.
3: Well, when you look at the National Hockey League, there's not a lot of six foot tall uh, goaltender. You're right; they're all six two, six three, and above. Uh, six four, six five is is what you kind of look for now. But uh, UC Sorrows of the Nashville Predators is a six foot tall goaltender that plays very, very much, or I should say Levi plays very much like UC Soros, extremely athletic, very flexible, uh, very quick when it comes to movement and reaction time, reflexes. Uh, But more importantly, and I was texting with uh, my buddy David Legio, who uh, uh, he does, he's a former goaltender and does goalie training as well, and he was talking about how precise, his, his positioning is, his movements are. Like when he goes back to the post, uh, you know, a lot of time goaltenders will have to readjust their foot on the post to make sure that they're anchored properly. He always seems to be, like, precise, right? So um, I always say, if you're six foot tall right now and you're a goalie, you have to be elite in something to make it to the NHL, right, You see, Soros? Elite in quickness, elite in reaction time, elite in athleticism and strength. Uh, I think Devin Levi has the same core value as as UC Saros, and that's why he's elite at the college level. I think it's going to translate to uh, you know a, an NHL career. Now it's just to see if it's going to be an elite NHL career or not. But uh, we saw it in development camp this summer. Um, he's a special one and, and one that the Sabres are excited about.
0: When it comes to some of those highlights from last night, you know, it's funny, Marty. I, I found myself thinking, if you lose in a shootout, it is what it is, you know. Goaltenders these days, you are required to play in shootouts in the regular season. And I just don't know if I'm supposed to evaluate a guy based on the shootout. That said, he stopped all three shooters or forced them wide, so I was encouraged. <laughs> you know, like if it went south, okay, fine, not a big deal. But he made all the stops. He also made a heck of a stop in overtime. Squared up with the shooter, Puck comes out three on three and makes a a, a pad save with what? Is like left foot? which you could speak yeah, to. Did
3: you see how far he was outside of the crease on y- that one? Yes. Like, like, he realized, like, wait, this shooter is mine. I'm going to take an extra step. He was two feet outside of his crease, and he did react very quickly with the left leg. That's the quickness I'm talking about. And people think quickness is, is about reflexes, and you're recognizing where the shooter's going to go. Part of it is that, yes. But for me, like, I just keep talking to young goaltenders about core strength, core strength, core strength, flexibility, do yoga, do Pilates, do all of that. Because to release your left leg quick like this and precise like this, and it wasn't like he read it and anticipated it, he waited and then, boom, the leg was kicked, Um, that is very impressive. I, I didn't have that.
0: Marty Baron joining us on the Western Hotline.
1: The I've been thinking, Marty, about Levi and like timelines and like how long it could take goaltenders. And I'll bring up how like Ryan Miller took five six years and how Lena Allmark with the Sabers took a lot a long time to get here before he became the starter. You're actually one of the exceptions, maybe, of guys that got there early. When I'm thinking about that with Levi, should his size play into that? Like, should I be thinking that he might not be one of these guys that takes four or five years to develop because he's not you know, some 6'5 guy that's a project and needs to work on, you know, his entire game.
3: Well, that's a fair point. Like, usually if you have a 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six goaltender, maybe you drafted him or maybe you signed them because you think, oh, there's some development that we can put in, but look at that size. With Devin Levi, and it goes to the Sam Reinhardt trade, and even before that I was talking to some of the uh, the Panthers front office people. And they're like, this guy has all the tools already. He was 17, 18 years old, and you could tell that he had all the tools. It was just a matter of could he do it at the next level, right? Like, he didn't play the conventional route of a Montreal goaltender to play in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and then turn pro at 20 or whatnot. No, Devin Levi – waited a next year of midget triple a then he played in the cchl which is in the ottawa region uh junior a uh for a year which he did really well with carlton place then he went to northeastern and so it's not the conventional route so i think originally people were thinking well is he going to be able to do it and then when they saw him in person because you really need to see him live to really appreciate it then you realize oh he's he's that good
0: Marty Baron Marty last night's game Sabers um you know it's another loss it's another well explosion of goals and another set of goals that kind of come in bunches are you seeing anything different with the way the teams are playing this team
3: um, I see my issue with last night, and I understand. Listen to all the post game sound, and even Don Granado says well, we played a really good first period, not a lot of scoring chances either way, and we needed to be patient. And all of a sudden, the short goal and the power play goal really set us back, and we didn't recover from it. I get that. I've not liked the first period against Carolina. I've not liked the first period against um, the Flames. I've not liked the first period now against the LA Kings. Now it becomes a pattern, and that pattern has to be rectify it because you're not going to win games if you don't play well in the first period. Normally, you got to set the tone. And I felt like, yeah, it wasn't a bad period of hockey if you want to play a 0 0 game, if you want to play a 1 1 game. But what we've been accustomed to the Sabres this year is they play with pace, they play with energy, they create some offense. I mean, after two periods last night, the scoring chances were 7-5 to five for L.A. Like, the Sabres had five scoring chances in 40 minutes. Now, did they give up much? No. But still, you're down 4 nothing, and you only have five scoring chances. So, that's my issue, is I feel like the Sabres, in the last three games, coming back from that trip where they went to Dallas, St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Minnesota— I feel like they lost their identity. They lost what made them good. Maybe it's because of Tate Thompson's injury. Uh, the top line wasn't wasn't able to carry a certain you know load in the game. But um, I feel like we're not seeing the identity that we're accustomed to with the Sabers.
1: Thompson gets moved to what we'll call it the second line just in terms of ice time for last night's game. And then he did play a little with Tuck and, and Skinner uh, as the game progressed, but. How how have you felt about how Granato has kind of worked with his lines throughout the year? He always seems to work his way back to the, the four lines that we'll, we're most accustomed to seeing, but I feel like last night might have been the first game where I noticed at the beginning of a game he had he jumbled things up.
3: So he had a really nice play on his first shift. He had actually created a turnover at the Sabres blue line to be able to go on the attack, and then... After, I think it was the second shift, maybe, L.A. came in on a three-on-one. The shot went wide. Thompson picked it up. And now they're on a three-on-two. And he has the speed. And I feel like he didn't know what to do with the puck. With Skinner and Tuck, you would have known. Like, Thompson would have either come in wide uh, or delayed, dropped it to Tuck. Like, I felt like there was no chemistry in that line, especially the thompson stat oposo line. Uh, now, when uh, Skinner was suspended, they did put Middlestat with Thompson and Tuck, and you know from what I was gathering is that, well, Thompson wanted to play with Middlestat, and I wonder if you know when the lines got changed a little bit, if Thompson didn't say, well, yeah, let me try with Mitzi, let's see what we got. Everybody really likes Middlestat, and and he's got great skills, but. I, I don't see it really translating into chemistry with Tage Thompson so I, I kind of was we, t- we joked about it before the game with Rob Ray and we said how long before the lines go back to normal and Ra- Razor said and I said the same thing half a game <laughs> like by the third period we'll be back to normal lines right and obviously the score dictated that but um, you know it was it, it just didn't look right
0: Marty, what's, you know, as we approach the deadline, the deadline doesn't necessarily have to be buy, sell, blah, blah, blah about this year. It can be about longer term answers. And I guess my question is as we talk about what this team needs next, what is the next roster piece that will push them forward a bit? I I think a lot of fans, and you might agree that what they need is to get older and get a little more maturity and, you know, have guys like Power and Cousins continue to grow into who they will be. But from a roster standpoint, like, what's the next piece that will help push them forward that they really have, should identify as something that they need?
3: So I was very, very uh, pushing the defenseman, like, uh, kind of need for an extra defenseman for depth. Uh, you know, Samuelson has gotten banged up this year. The Bushkin has gotten banged up this year. Yoki Ariu has gotten banged up this year. So if you're going to make that playoff push and if you're going to be in the playoffs, uh, You'd need defenseman depth. Now that would still be my answer. Talking about this season, long term, I feel like you need another centerman. And I'm not saying a top two center. You have Thompson, you have Cousins. They're they're getting paid seven plus million each. Um, they're going to be your one and two. But and I think Tyson Jost has been really good. And Tyson Jones probably is more suited as your Fort Line centerman. And he kills penalty and he's got quickness and energy. And I've liked that. But if Tage is not going, I feel like you're putting everything on Dylan Cousins and there's nobody else to pick it up. And if Dylan is not going, you're putting everything on Tage Thompson. There's nobody else in the middle to help out, right? Everybody was hoping that Casey Middlestad was going to be this other centerman that you could go. Well, possibly Tage, Cousins, Middlestat. Maybe it's Peyton Krebs, uh, but I'm not seeing that clearly right now. So, short-term defenseman depth. Uh, long-term, I think you'd have to look at your forwards and get another center to uh, to round up this one-two-three that you could have with the Sabers.
1: If the season kind of stalls a little bit here, Marty, and, you know, they've been caught by Detroit. They're tied in the standings now with the Red Wings. Ottawa is kind of working their way back into the mix a little bit. I guess if they if they do miss the playoffs and it's by, you know, maybe 10 points instead of, like, two or three, like we might have been hoping, hoping. It, I guess if they start strong and end a little bit poorly, which is kind of the opposite of what we've seen in past years, like, how, how do you think we should feel, about the season, I guess really that question just comes down to for you, how much is on the line in the next month and a half when thinking about the long term with this team.
3: Well, I mean, for us, I, I'm a week by week, day by day kind of guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't like the losing three. I don't like the losing one, right? So you got to focus on that one. What happened? How do you fix it? Uh, you're going into Anaheim tomorrow. Uh, you win at Anaheim. All of a sudden it's better you're in a better place you're one on one on the road trip you got San jose coming up you're you keep climbing up uh, but the long term picture I don't think is going to be defined this year by if you make the playoffs or not and i I understand that's hard uh to sell to the fan base um because it's been twelve years, and you know they're right there they're knocking on the door of making the playoffs but if you're Kevin Adams and if you're Don granado like you're sp- success or failure of the season does not hang in the playoff balance. Uh, before the season started, you know, we put a poll on Sabres live, like is Vegas had the over under at 81 or something like that, 81 and a half points. Where do you feel? Everybody was saying over, and, but is 90 points a successful season is 94. It still doesn't get you in the playoffs, uh, but I guess it's how it happens. How you get uh, to develop your players um, so y- you can all kind of do a uh, recap of the season at the end of the year and see if it was a successful season or not. Right now, they're in it. So for me, a successful game is win the game tomorrow and then move on to the next one. And last night, well, you know you can lose and have a successful game, but last night was not it. Calgary was not it. Carolina was not it. So that's, that's where I'm at this, this, this week, and I'm thinking – well, this is not the way it should be going.
0: Marty Baran joining us on the Western Hotline. All right, Marty, next up, Anaheim, a late game again. Sabres after dark continues this week, and uh, hopefully they can get things back on track. Yeah,
3: hopefully they do. Anaheim is not a good team, no. and this is, to me, uh, a very, very pivotal game uh, for the Sabres as to show me, right? Like, show me. like The rest was post game last night. We competed, you know. We got away from our game in the second period, but we competed in the third period. I understand, but it's it's four nothing, right? It, it became five nothing. Like that's easier to compete, and you don't have to worry about anything. The game is out of hand. Uh, Don Granado said, "Well, you know, I I think we we uh, we didn't have a good response after the two nothing goal, the power play goal. Okay, well, show me against Anaheim, which is a team that." I mean, they had a pitiful third period against the Vegas Golden Knights the other night. It was 2-1. They ended up losing, giving them up five, I think, in the third. Um, show me against Anaheim. If, if I'm going to believe what you said post game that the effort was there, the compete was there, um, you just didn't have a good response after the 2-0 goal, like, show me. I want to see it. If they do that, then I'll believe it. But if they come out with a flat first period against Anaheim, then we've got some big issues.
0: Indeed, thanks, Marty. Thank you, guys. Marty Baron, big issues if they keep losing. I want to stay in this race, you know? Just hang around. Want this? Want, wanted this to be a real race, and right before the All Star break, it was win to get into a spot, and now it's going to take work to do that again.
1: If so, they win, it's no, two weak opponents. Just don't misstep, right? And you are in the race. Could they could it feel like they're out of the race by the end of this trip even? It'll feel like they're falling out. They won't yeah. be out of it. But they win the next two, you know, and they're 4 points out and they're still they still got the games in hand math on Washington and Florida and the Islanders just don't lose that. And if you lose to Anaheim and San Jose or even one of the two for how bad those teams are, especially the Ducks, it's going to feel like they're going to fall out of it. Yeah. Not not ideal. They could also just rip off a six game win streak at any point. Don't we feel like they're capable of that? Well, they've because I mean, 'cause they've done it twice, I yeah, guess is why yeah. you'd think they're capable of it.
0: It's gonna come back when
1: Thompson gets hot again? Are we are we kinda at that? Yeah, but am I kind of right in assuming he will get hot again?
0: Probably. <laughs>
1: Probably. He's not lately. He's not even looked to me like the same player. But he was dealing with a back injury, so you know. How healthy is was he before the break. Um I don't know. I, I think I'm good. I think I, I feel comfortable in counting on him to get hot again.
0: Well so all right. Break 8030550 if you'd like to join us, one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty to uh, be a part of the show. Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe. I put a Twitter poll up about the Bills being on the Chiefs level. When they get to some of the responses and we'll talk a little bit about how the how the Bills season ended. Whether or not it's got you kind of crossed up, you know? And we'll keep playing mixtape music for... Yes. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. We'll be back. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone
1: Yeah, I mean, if there was any doubters left, there there shouldn't be now. I mean, the way he stepped up on this stage, um, and ran through the ball, whatever it took for his team to win, I mean, that was a special performance. I, I don't want to get lo- I don't want it to get lost in the in the the loss that they had. I mean even whenever we got all the momentum in that game and and we went up eight points in the fourth quarter for him to respond and move his team right down the football field and run it in himself for the two-point conversion, it was a special performance by him, man. And, um, I mean, you make sure you appreciate that when you look back on this game.
0: Patrick Mahomes speaking on Jalen Hurts. Joe, slot Hurts in on the young quarterbacks.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Go. Um, Mahomes. Mahomes, Allen Burrow Hurts. Fourth. Oh, after saying it, though, Herbert. How do you want to play the game is the way to do this. All right, let me – the way I would normally want to play this Let's game this. is
0: – Start a franchise. That's – yes. Start a franchise, super draft. No contracts. That's how I'd want to do it. Start a franchise, super draft, go.
1: Okay, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence, Hurts. Wow. Yeah. I think, ah oh, man, Lawrence versus Hurts. No, 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 that's too that's too much. Hurts after Hurts after Herbert, but I would take Herbert. Okay, Lawrence is too much. Hurts about to get paid. Big He's time. gonna get fifty million, right?
0: As he probably should. Right. Du- dual threat. I mean, yeah. he does it all. He's a big part of that offense, of course. I mean, he would have been the Super Bowl MVP. if He probably doesn't have just that one fumble. Yeah. So,
1: is he you know. the m- the guy the most, though, of those quarterbacks that are going to be 50-plus million or 45-plus million, where you're going to wonder about how the team can can win with him on that contract. Like Mahomes, Mahomes just won. It was the, the highest cap percentage that any quarterback had ever accounted for. 17%. I'm, okay.
0: g- I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to get to it. Because this has long been a point I've been waiting for to die. The idea that the rookie quarterback contract, no team has ever won on a quarterback's second contract. Right. To me, it's always been a circumstance that's just waiting to completely go away. And I think we've reached that era. Because, let's say Hertz gets a new contract. Maybe they win it on his rookie contract next year. But Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lawrence, Mm -hmm. Lamar's going to get a new deal. If you wanted to throw in Watson, you could. What young quarterback is going to win? Maybe one will get thrown in there.
1: Lawrence is the only one that you would think has got a few years where you could see it.
0: But we're about to enter an era in the NFL, a decade, where these quarterbacks all appear pretty well established. And the idea of a rookie coming in on a team and being good enough to beat this caliber of a quarterback is a big ask. So I I think that whole rookie quarterback contract storyline is about to be over.
1: I, I think that's right. I still do wonder about Hurts, though, a little for it. Like, Mahomes, he's going to win. And Allen could win. And Burrow could win on a giant mega contract. All of those guys you mentioned, I think, are going to win. Most, if not all, of the Super Bowls. Hertz, I don't know. And I think the reason why I want to have more doubt on him than the others is simply his roster is more well put together, it appears, than the others, right? The Eagles are were what we thought the Bills were going to be. The Bills, at the beginning of the year, was no hole on the team. There's not a single position you could look at and say, oh yeah, there's nothing there. That became the Eagles. The Eagles had everything. They had the O-line, they had the D-line, they had the secondary. After getting Bradbury, I know he took the penalty, but he was good throughout the year. They've got the running game, they've got the receivers for sure, what don't they have? So, am I, do I, I might want to leave, even if it's an ounce of doubt, I want to leave just a little bit on Hertz that I do wonder what that looks like with that quarterback when everything around him isn't perfect. Because I've seen Burrow when everything isn't perfect, I've seen Mahomes when everything isn't perfect, and I've even seen Allen when everything isn't perfect. I have not seen Hertz when everything isn't perfect.
0: I am trying to think of, like, what is that, that? Is everything not perfect? You mean from a personnel standpoint? Per, mostly personnel.
1: Their yeah. roster is, is the
0: most complete in the league. Their line is great. Their weapons are great. Their defense was great.
1: Yeah, and I think he'll still be a great quarterback, and they'll be great when, you know, maybe they can't replenish the O-line when guys get old, or maybe they can't replace, Flet- replace Fletcher Cox on the D-line at some point. I, I think they'll be fine. But that that's the one guy I feel like I really haven't seen it yet go through the adversity that the others have. It might even out because Hertz is going to be the one that doesn't have to play the other quarterbacks, right? Like, yep. Mahomes is going to have to play Allen and Bur- Burrow every year, and Lawrence is coming up, and Herbert. Like, all those guys got to play each other. Hertz, not to say he's going to have a free ride, but he's just got to beat the Niners, basically, it feels like in the next three years, right? Yeah, yeah. Not worried about Cousins or Daniel Jones.
0: Unless the Bears turn Fields into something or trade him and take somebody at the top. That could be it. So I put up a Twitter poll. Anyway, back to the Bills and a conversation about the end of the season. Do you think it's right to say the Bills are on the Chiefs level? Let's talk about that. Is that right to say? The Bills are on the Chiefs level. To me, there's... Big picture, and then there's small picture for this. Big picture, no, they don't have the Super Bowls, they don't have the appearances, they don't have the MVPs. Yeah, but they're gonna play a game tomorrow. What's the spread? One and a half.
1: <laughs> uh, Is it the same? Yeah, it's one and a half. If they right? if the it's Bills low.
0: play the Eagles tomorrow, what's the spread? Is it one and a half, two points? Bills might be favored.
1: Maybe they have higher
0: Super Bowl odds right now. Maybe. Don't you think the Eagles would have beaten the Bills? Yes, I do too. And that might be because of the injuries. That might be because of Josh's elbow. It might be because of Von Miller. It might be because of Mike Hyde being out. Yep. They, they they had their injuries, right? The way they finished the season, it is very very different. Last year, they finished the season, 13 seconds, and we all leave the year thinking they should have won the Super Bowl. They're the best team in football. Right. This year, the season ends, and... If you're not careful, and I'm including myself here, you look at that game and you think, wow, uh, a lot of work to be done. <laughs> you know, They were 13-3. and three. Yeah. They were still a very, very good team that went through a million different things, and they were still great. But I do find myself thinking, no, they're not on the level of the Chiefs. They got hammered by the Bengals. I think if they played the Chiefs in, the, in Atlanta, if that had gone neutral site, mm-hmm. Joe, I think they would have lost to Kansas City. I think they lose to Kansas City in the playoffs this year. I think they yeah. lose to Philadelphia in the playoffs this year. And I'm not trying to say like things are falling apart, but the way they finished the season was if you want to call it sobering or humbling or fluky. I don't I don't quite know where to land on it. I don't think They're miles behind all these teams. But that game did happen, and it exposed probably every one of the things we thought was a weakness going in, right? The the offensive line, the coordinator, the weapons, they didn't have an answer against Cincinnati. And that, that just shouldn't have happened. So the Allen elbow injury all of a sudden feels like people are leaning into that a lot. Allen said it didn't affect him during the year too much. Now he played with it, and he's rehabbing. Okay, we can pin a little more on his elbow. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. But the way that it ended, it it's tough for me to buy total fluke, especially when, for the last two months of the season, they looked like a team that was not sharp. They beat New England in the regular season finale on two kick returns by Naheem Hines. Right. They struggled, right, to get by Miami and Skylar Thompson in a playoff game. Yeah. For some reason. No, so did Cincinnati. Struggled to beat Tyler Huntley, but still. Right.
1: Right. If they doesn't if go they over the top in a QB sneak.
0: Right. So so I understand and I I'm usually the one yeah. saying, "Hey, one game isn't going to tell you a
1: story." So I I I end up being you know, conflicted. I I I am too because I think it is right to say they're not on the Chiefs' level, mostly because of what Kansas City has accomplished, right? Two Super Bowls, two MVPs for Mahomes, five AFC Championship games to so the Bills one but they've played 3 times in the last 2 years and the bills lost by 6 and won by 18 and then won by 4 are they large when they play each other the last 3 times they're largely the same team right if not even you would argue the bills a little better because they had an 18 point victory over them last year Like, when they play the Chiefs, they look like the same team. Two years ago, 38-20, to yeah. 38-20. to And and that's where I get mixed up because I think it's right to say the Chiefs are on another level because of what they accomplished. And you asked me, would the Chiefs beat the Bills if they played tomorrow? And I would probably sit here and say it comes down to a field goal or a bounce. And doesn't that feel like they're on the same level? They might be, but I, I think it's wrong to say it for some reason. Because of all the Kansas City has accomplished, and they do deserve more benefit of the doubt than the Bills get. But ev- when they play the Chiefs, they they look like the same team. The Cincinnati game is really it it throws a wrench in everything. Because I mean, they lost three games all year, and it was by two points, three points, and three points. I, that sounds like Kansas City. That sounds like a Kansas City resume. But we watched it, and there were, there were problems you d- that you often don't see Kansas City have where everything looks insanely hard, whereas everything looks easy for Kansas City. So I don't know what to do with that. I feel like I don't want to say the Bills are on the same level because of all Kansas City's accomplished, but I feel like, again, if they played tomorrow, it would come down to a bounce.
0: Let's get a phone call in here. Ethan in Hamilton on Josh and his elbow. What's up, Ethan?
1: Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to say, is he going to require surgery for that? Or is he no. just rehabbing? No, Rappaport says, the, the last report was that he shouldn't need surgery. Okay, because I know it's definitely not as bad as Purdy's elbow, because I'm, I'm more of a Niners fan than a Bills fan, but I do like the Bills and Josh Allen, so.
3: Yes.
0: Yeah, um, right.
1: Uh, second question, um, I heard... Just second point, I think the Bills would have beaten the Eagles. I think the Eagles' vaunted defense is kind of a little bit overrated. I don't know. Well, I'll tell
0: you why I don't think they would, Ethan. The number one reason the Chiefs – thanks for the phone call – the number one reason the Chiefs were able to beat the Eagles, my opinion, is that they got the ball out quickly. That's not something the Bills did well. Josh Allen and the Bills' offense, usually he's going for deeper drops. Mm -hmm. He's going for deeper throws. His average depth of target is significantly higher than Patrick Mahomes'. Mahomes threw the ball in under two and a half seconds on 56% of his dropbacks against the Eagles. Allen doesn't touch that number most of the time. He didn't touch that yeah. number against Cincinnati. He didn't touch that number against New England. And no, he was in like the teens for that percentage, right? It, it, 30, I think, was the highest percentage he ever got to. Okay. At least in the, in the last four weeks. Joe Marino of the Draft Network had those numbers. And it's not to say that Allen is incapable of that. It's do they have the receivers that can do that? No, no they do not right if you want to throw the ball in two and a half seconds do you have the scheme to do that do you have the scheme and the receivers to play the quick strike passing game and we did see them do that a little bit more early in the season right the smaller throws the down the field against the rams and then hitting big plays you know we could talk about it being a matchup league it's one thing the chiefs are they're a bad matchup for a lot of teams and they their offense went from the Tyreek Hill over-the-top offense to the dink-and-dunk offense to screen passes here and plug-in guys there, and I just don't think the Bills have the designs to beat the Eagles in the same way. So if Allen holds the ball a little longer, you're asking that line to hold up a little longer. That line is not as good as Kansas City's line, and I think the Eagles would have gotten to Allen quite a bit. They, I don't think they come away with no sacks. How's that? And yep. defensively, would the Bills have been able to stop A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard? in mean, this past defense, as it was injured and mm. as it started to kind of break down, no Hyde, no Von Miller. You might be right. I would not have picked them to beat the Eagles. I think they would have been beaten by the Eagles. I think that that defensive pass rush would have wreaked havoc on this offensive line and on their scheme, which does not get the ball out quickly. Fair? Or
1: would you pick them to beat the Eagles? I would not pick them to beat the Eagles. I also don't think I would pick them to get blown out by the Eagles.
0: No, I mean the Bills are rarely yeah. – they're rarely blown that's out. That's
1: one time in the last year and a half.
0: Yeah. They they were blown so, out by the Bengals, and I think it's two or three blowouts in their last 50 games where they are the team that's blown out. It right. does not happen often. Allen keeps them alive in a lot of these games. Their defense probably tries to keep things in front of them. Maybe they don't give up that big shot to uh, – well, multiple shot plays down the field. One touchdown to AJ Brown. A couple yeah. down to Devonta Smith. They maybe they don't give up those shot plays, but nah. I think they lose to Philadelphia personally. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Going to be an interesting off season. There's no doubt about that. And that you know that Cincy game. How much should it really factor into what they do? I'll admit, like I am consistently thinking that it was humbling. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe what it was was, you know, the chickens coming home to roost. Like the offensive problems that people had seen for a while all came up that day. Maybe it's validation in that way. We'll get more calls in on the other side eight zero three zero five fifty to join us here on WGR. Oh yeah!
3: Tell you
0: something.
3: I think
0: you Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I'm reading some Valentine's Day facts, Joe. Okay. Now, according to this article, six million couples get engaged on Valentine's Day. Six million? Yeah.
1: Thinking that's probably the number one day of the year. Yes. Gotta be, right? Number one day it of the sa- year. It says it okay.
0: Yep. To get engaged. All right. Six million a year seems like a big number. I don't feel like it can't be six, six million, million
1: a year. per year. Right? Can't, There's it only, can't
0: be six million. Co- that's twelve million people per year getting engaged
1: on this day. How many people? Right? How many people get engaged in the year in general?
0: It's a great question.
1: Because at that point, I mean, it's not going to be six million, but if it's a million per day, and I give Valentine's Day six times every other day. That's more than the entire population of yeah. the United States. It probably can't be six million per day. Maybe it's six people. Uh, yeah. Is it for the country also, or is it for the world? I think it's the U.S. It's for the U.S.? I don't know. I'd, I'm i right, skeptical of that number I, is that I high. I just
0: searched Valentine's Day facts to see if I could find anything of use. Came across Galentine's Day. which That's is, a thing. I know about that. I think that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty funny. Why not, right? You said six million? Six million.
1: I just looked up how many people get engaged every year, and it, it it's a... Very, just The first website that came up says 1.8 million become okay. engaged so every year. So
0: maybe it's 6 million of the existing couples, and oh, okay, they maybe. were all Valentine's Day proposals, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. All right. I got lots of uh, facts here. In Finland, it's uh, Friends Day. Remember friends more than romantic okay. love. In Japan, women give gifts to men. Men return the favor one month later on a day called White Day. In South Africa, feast uh, exchange of love messages. It's not considered a romantic holiday. On and okay. on we go. Happy Valentine's Day! Happy birthday, Jim Kelly! Happy birthday, Drew Bledsoe! Should we check out their the rest of the birthday crew on? Uh, sure. What kind, of bir- Day? what kind of birthday? What kind of birthday party? have, Kelly. Okay. okay. Yep. I got my college roommate. I got to send him a message. Happy birthday to him! I'm pretty sure his birthday's today. Other famous birthdays today
1: on Valentine's Day. Hmm. Not much.
0: No, pretty
1: slim. Angel Di Maria. Would you want your birthday to be on Valentine's Day? I think you don't want your birthday to be on any holiday. None because, of them. No. because no, no. You're right. You're sharing the spotlight. Sure. Yeah. Unless you want to share the spotlight because you're not huge about birthdays, but but do your you own want, birthday. You want? Do you want? You don't want it on Christmas. You definitely don't want it on Christmas. You don't
0: want it on. There's there are a lot of birthdays that could be on some floating holidays like Easter, sure, or Thanksgiving, like floats.
1: non-gift holidays, right?
0: Yeah, right. Fourth of July. It seems like a good birthday. Fourth of July, good birthday.
1: One that might be a great birthday. Memorial Day. Yes, because of the weather yep. and everyone. Everyone's that's, getting together. That's, like
0: that's also a floating birthday. I mean, Memorial okay, Day right, right, moves, right. moves
1: around. Right. So Valentine's Day would be, you're already getting some gifts, but like it's more flowers and chocolate, right? And little things rather than big things. So it wouldn't be the worst holiday, I guess. How would Thanksgiving be for a birthday?
0: If you're born in late November, you could jump on Thanksgiving every couple of years. Yeah, probably fine.
1: No one's going to ever want to eat cake, though.
0: You're right. (laughs) No one will ever want to eat cake on your birthday. Have I
1: ever had cake on Thanksgiving? No way, right? I don't think so. There's no chance. Do you have Do you have birthday pie? If you are, yeah, probably. Yeah. But who wants Who wants a birthday pie? You want the birthday cake? Yeah. It would be one of those things where you'd get like probably one slice of cake just to have a cake. But then you have to eat cake every Thanksgiving. And if you like pie, what is that? You don't want that. You'd have to go birthday pie at that point the ceremony of the cake I don't need it you want to give me one slice of cake with a with a candle in it just I don't even want it make it for show if you want put a candle in my pie and give me some apple pie
0: a candle in your pie now you're going you're, you're calling well, it a off, birthday pie you're right you're calling it a birthday pie and now you're putting a candle in it
1: Well, what else makes it a birthday pie how is that you, it's on
0: your birthday how are you getting the candle in this pie is it, if it's got a top crust it's going to be very difficult to get that candle to be in the pie you might need like a fruit filling pie in order for it to stand the way you want a candle to stand.
1: Or you might have to accept that your yours is gonna be a little bit it's gonna fall apart a little bit. Yeah. In the name of that candle.
0: Anyway, happy birthday, Jim Kelly. I, I don't know how we got up. We got to all <laughs> that.
1: Uh eight oh three oh
0: five fifty, uh, to join us if you'd like to be a part of the show. The Bills. We're talking a little bit about their off season coming up. We've got obviously a big off season for them and you know, the Chiefs win again. The Bills are fifth in one power ranking and Second in the gambling odds. You're gonna tell me that the whole offseason, aren't you? You to every, you're tell me every day. single day. <laughs> yes. Alright, I might be ready to have a conversation about that. Should I care about that? Because uh-huh. I respect it and I understand why I should. But I'm not sure if I'm gonna care about it. 8030550 to join us here on WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.